This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. You see me trap the shaft and they have serious? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I was watching. Damn, I didn't think I could do it. Hey, everybody, it's Post Talladega. And, uh, this is the Dale Jr. download. Audio take from Dale Jr. Um,. Basically, uh, yeah, it was an awful race. Freaking terrible. What maybe the worst one I've had, if I can remember correctly. I don't think I've had one worse than that, but never. Maybe, maybe I've wrecked more than twice in a race, but I don't think I can remember. Um, I feel okay, and you know, I always take a good. A good stock in how I feel after a hard lick like that, but uh feel pretty good. It was kind of uh, a unique crash where the 19 hit us and, and squished us into the wall like a sandwich, but uh wasn't like a direct impact at uh, 30, 45 degrees or anything like that. I was actually running against the fence just in case something like that happened. I wasn't sure about my own car and how well it was put back together because we tore it up pretty good. So when that happens, you get up against the wall in case you pop a tire or anything like that. You don't have far to go before you hit it, and you don't create a severe angle of impact. So that was a good uh, situation, uh, and if the car's going to fly into you, be up against the wall. Um, let's see. You know, the, you know, obviously we had a great weekend with Junior Motorsports. Uh, the finish was... Uh, was a bit of an unpopular one as far as how it played out. Uh, I know a lot of our fans were happy to see us get a victory, but a lot of people in the sport were questioning how NASCAR could come to that conclusion. Uh, basically, they used the same set of rules and circumstances and resources that they used in, in the fall last year when I was determined to have lost the race by six inches to Joey Logano. Um, those are hard to take. So I've been on both sides of it. I felt bad for Poole because he, um, you know, he's trying to get a full-time ride. He's trying to prove himself, and that would have been a huge um, move forward in that direction. So, uh, yeah, I think everybody felt bad for the kid because he he was under the impression that he won the race and clearly had no indication that anyone else had won the race or would even think that so that was disappointing and really hard to see hard to watch just from a personal standpoint and I didn't have immediate elation that we had won the race when they announced it my gut was really where uh with the pool kid you know obviously that's got to be hard to take so um you know, I felt I felt bad for him. I also started wondering how I was going to carry myself in the media center and being on the opposite side of that stuff a year ago and being able to compare that that finish in the fall to to this one helped me understand how to handle it as an owner or having to speak to the media immediately as it had happened. It was a little bit difficult situation to be in, but I. Uh, you know, 
as we got to victory lane, I saw how excited Elliot was, how happy he was to have won the race, how vindicated he felt after struggling for so many races to win. Um, we've got an, a lot of new folks at One Main Financial that are um, key to the future of our relationship with that program, and they were at the race. So for us to have won with them present was very important and couldn't have happened, you know, couldn't have happened better than that. So, you know, going through Victor Lane and realizing all that, I started to understand how important and how big this was for our team, having won two in a row, a lot of the times throughout the season playing second fiddle to the Gibbs cars, trying to figure out how we can get as competitive as them. So having won it one, two, you know, three races this year, two in a row, is a huge deal for our company and the health of it, the longevity of it, the future. So all those things are starting to sink in. You're starting to think about all that. You're also going ahead and replaying everything that happened in the fall back in your mind. And, uh, you know, you start to accept the terms of the conditions. And I totally would have rather things worked out differently to where no one would have gotten hurt. <laughs> there would be no question about the win or how it happened, but that's not the world we live in. And, uh, but I was very happy for Elliot. He has worked real hard and he believes in this opportunity. And I knew we would get back to Victor Lane when we started talking about working together in the winter time. So this was, that was a great feeling to see him excited. Uh, so we put all that together and, and called it a day and went to bed the Saturday night. We didn't know what the weather was going to be like all day today. That's always frustrating when the weather isn't, is unsure. When you see a front coming, you basically can count it down and understand, okay, it's going to rain about, about this time. Uh, we can prepare for that and, and understand that and get in, you know, understand the rain's going to be here all, all the way up till about the minute it happens. But in in the uh, the situation we had today, the weather was building around us and popping up. So you don't know what when you know what's going to happen when. That's always very frustrating. You don't like you know, to wait around on rain delays. You don't like getting caught in the back of the field when the rain comes, in case they call the race. Uh, especially when you feel like you got a chance to run well at a place like Talladega where we usually do. Uh, I didn't, uh, I, you know, I didn't have any concerns about how we were going to race. We practiced really well. We did make a few changes overnight, and uh, when the race started, the car was on the splitter, very bad. I mean, not not bouncing or tapping on the splitter, just laying all over the splitter, so much so that there was no front grip in the corner, and you saw me falling back. Um, as after when the race started, we started going backwards, and we only ran strictly on the high side of the track. And the reason why is because if I ran the middle, the car pushed so bad because it's on the splitter that it would end up in the top groove. So I couldn't risk, uh, you know, pushing up the racetrack into the side of another car, in in the tracks of another car, in front of a guy and wrecking. So I was gonna, you know, we I jumped to the high side and just stayed up there. So I didn't uh, risk anybody uh, getting in trouble with me trying to race in the middle groove or the bottom. Uh, 
we waited till the first pit stop to make some adjustments. We made some adjustments. Uh, we we uh, freed the car up. It didn't help get the car off the splitter. So now I'm still pushing with the splitter on the ground, but we also took rear grip away. And that's basically how we spun out. It's kind of similar to exactly what happened at Daytona, where uh, we made the car looser and, um, and I spun out. So we got to be careful what we're doing there. It's nothing we haven't done in the past. It's nothing we didn't do all of last year when we were winning those races and running second. Uh, we just don't need to be on the splitter and have those kind of issues uh, throughout the day. Uh, so we we made some goof ups and it cost us, uh, but at least we know what the deal is. And uh, we can correct that moving forward. I don't think we're going to run Amelia again. I believe she's KO'd. She'll probably go into the woods. It had a good run. The car ran uh, a real good season in uh, 2015 winning uh, three races and finishing second in the other two. So it, uh, it was a great car, and we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and start from scratch and build another one. Uh, and we probably won't build it like that car. We'll probably try to put some downforce in it and do a couple other things a little differently to try to make ourselves race a little better. We might not qualify quite as well, but we'll race better. And that's important. So... Uh, Anyhow, uh, let's see. The steering wheel. Okay, yeah, the steering wheel came off the car <laughs> in the race. Luckily for me, okay, basically the steering wheel coming off is my fault. I got back in the car, and uh, we were kind of hustling to get out. It was starting to drizzle a little bit, and the caution had to come out. There's a wreck, and da-da-da-da. And I didn't check to see if the wheel was on all the way. It was not. We go out on the track, and we're coasting around because the caution's out. Just as we're getting ready to come to green, Greg says, all right, check your belt, check your wheel one last time. I pulled on the wheel and it came off. And you see me in, in, inside the car grabbing the steering shaft with my hand. And uh, I was able to stop the steering from moving and actually steer the car to the right a little bit and get things under control and then jam the steering wheel back on there real quick. Um, two things helped me there. We weren't going fast. We were going speed, uh, pit road speed. And... The car went into the grass where I could actually turn the steering wheel rather easily as compared to how it you know, would, would be on asphalt. The car veered to the left when you take the steering wheel, steering wheel off because of the caster in the car. So anytime you take the steering wheel off, except at a road course, it's going to veer left. But I was able to get it. Once it got in the grass, I was able to steer it a little bit and jam the wheel back on and keep going. So that was a mistake on my part. Scared the heck out of my guys. Uh, my interior guy, Adam Jordan, he's upset because he feels like it's his responsibility, but it's not. It's all, it's all mine. Uh, we'll look at that. You know, one of the great things that we're hoping to develop one day is a, a car that would not crank unless the steering wheel is fastened perfectly. So that's something that we can work on for the future, and I think it's doable. But that was a freaky deal. Uh, Certainly ripped off a lot of skin on my hand trying to steer that thing and grab that spine while it was spinning, but we're all good. That's about it, I guess. We'll go to the next one. Hope you enjoy the download. Take it easy. All right, Junior. Appreciate you. As always, uh, giving your thoughts on what happens, whether it's good or bad, it's the Dale Junior Download presented by Spy from the Exalta Studios. Be happy with the all-new Spy Dale Junior Paint Scheme Sunglasses. It's called the Livery Series. They're available in the popular dirty mode, General Dega McCoy and Admiral Frames. 
You can get yours today at spyoptic.com. Mike Davis, first name Davis Williams, and Taylor Zarzer here with you. Um, I'm going to make my comments pretty simple. That sucked. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Good good analysis there, Taylor. Thank you. I worked hard <laughs> on it all night. But that probably tees it up very well for us because it did suck. It sucked. In fact, it Junior caught it the worst race that he's had. And I can't disagree. I, I actually was thinking back to the last time that we finished butt-naked last. Do you know the last time we finished butt-naked last? I'm asking to see if you remember this because it wasn't I, that long ago. I, I remember being at Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah, that hitting the grass uh, and and being about a hundred feet from where that happened. And and by the way, nobody in Junior Nation wants to remember this. He destroyed Jimmy Johnson's day <laughs> by doing that. Nobody. Oh, that's never happened. Actually, it did in uh, in Texas. That was Final Four weekend a couple of years ago. Uh, I had all kinds of things going on that weekend. Uh, so I remember that. But was that the last one? No, we actually finished butt naked last at Phoenix last year, race number four of the season. Oh wow! Yeah. So Crash last down. last to first at the same track, uh, right? Because we, we go back and win, right? Uh, in yeah. that in that rain delay, <laughs> which hey, it counts. Guess what's going to happen in Talladega in October? Yeah, yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> that's a good point. It's an omen. Uh, no, it's uh, yeah, it sucked. But uh, you're going to have it. Dale Jr. summed it up nicely uh, yesterday when he said, "Sometimes you are the bug." It just sucks when it's at Talladega. Because yeah. Talladega is the race where you circle in the calendar, you know that that's one of your best chances to win a race, and therefore it stings the most. You know, uh, I, I really miss David Poole this time of year. I miss him all the time. Yeah. Um, he was a good friend and somebody I worked a lot with. I can't believe he's been gone for seven years. And, and David and I had a great relationship, uh, but David was as big a curmudgeon as there has ever been on planet Earth. And I think he would have been the first to tell you that. And every year at this time after Talladega, the Wells Fargo Championship would happen, right as it is right now in Charlotte on the PGA Tour. And David would be like one of the backup riders to come cover the tournament. And he would find me. He said, where's that Bama boy at? Where I'm going to yell at him. Where's he at? Yeah. Man, you like wrecking? You like people trying to get killed out there on that racetrack? That's ridiculous. That ain't racing. Short track racing is racing, Zarzer. And he would scream at me every time. I mean... Mike, this happened five or six years in a row. Oh yeah, where we'd yeah, have the same we, we'd have the same exact conversation, and I thought about him with that with a devilish laugh yesterday, watching that race from high above us, because there's no question he was feeling that way. But it it did, man. It, it stunk, and and it stunk that Amelia wasn't the Amelia in her prime. Uh, had all kinds of issues, as Junior just alluded to, especially with the splitter there yesterday. Um, Mike, I don't. You never know what happens, but you know at the end in Talladega, obviously, with what happened at the end yesterday. Uh, but I didn't think it was the best car, and I never thought it was the best car, and that's a shame because almost always Dale Earnhardt Jr. goes to a restrictor plate race, and you think, okay, he's the man to beat. And so that was a little crazy yesterday, yeah. Uh, and that didn't feel so good. But yeah, I mean, anytime you wreck out and you finish last, that's it's going to leave you with a bad taste in your mouth. Well, you know, something crazy happened this year at restrictor plate races so far through two races. And Dale Jr. spun out on his own in, in, in what is arguably the best car that's ever been built that he's been able to drive. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what's unfortunate. And that honestly, with, with Amelia and the, the legend of Amelia, like I sensed true sorrow on social media yesterday when that happened, not like making fun of the fact that Amelia's crash or anything. I honestly sense that people were legitimately upset because that is the end of what was such a good run and such a right. good car. That being said, 
I'm curious to know what you think because my feelings were I was a little apprehensive when we when we decided to rebuild her and take her. I, you didn't right. know. You you would be lying if you thought you knew she was going to just come back in her old glory. You didn't know what, what it was going to be like. Daytona was so loose, he lost it by himself coming out of four. Dang right. it if it didn't happen again. Yeah. I keep making all these golf analogies. First name Davis, I'm going to turn into Roy Williams, uh, making a golf analogy on, on everything. Uh, but Mike Davis, Larry Mize, do you know who he is? Yeah. Won the Masters in 87, hey. hit that shot. Yeah. Remember that shot yeah. he hit? Yeah, out of the bunker. Guess, well, no, well, not in a bunker, but off, oh. the, off the green. Oh. He had a chip-in shot to win the Masters in 1987. Do you know how many times he's attempted that shot since 1987? Never, ever again. And you know why he hasn't? Don't mess with happy. To your point, uh, you, you, there are only so many bullets in the chamber, and you think, God, we've had so much great luck and skill that's gone into Amelia and so much success that just how many times can you ride it before all of a sudden it's going to blow up in your face? So I, I know exactly what you're feeling, and yes, absolutely I was thinking that coming into this race. I, I still trust the guys sure, and think that, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure they've thought this through. This is their job. This no, is what they do every day. And I know you have too, but uh, no, I mean, abs- I think all of us kind of had the, that thought going into the race at Talladega. Yeah, I'm not saying what they did was wrong. They absolutely That's the kind of car that you run it till it's it can't run anymore. All right, so let's be clear on that. you got to run the best car that you've ever had until it can't run anymore. And Travis Mack or Travis Peterson, somebody tweeted yesterday that Amelia was going to end one or two ways, in the Daytona 500 Museum or it was going to be crashed. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was crashed, and that's the end of Amelia because you're going to run it as long as it can run. I'm just saying that you didn't know what it was going to look like now that it had been rebuilt uh, from Daytona, right. and so right. there was that no, uh, that mystery that you didn't know. you didn't go in with the same confidence because you no didn't question. know what you had. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I'll tell you this: you know how I feel about watching Dale Earnhardt Jr. mow through a pack of race cars, especially on a restrictor plate race. I mean, we've seen it so many times, especially in these what are we calling these things now? The Can Am duels. Especially in in those races, it's just absurd, his skill level, going through an entire field of cars at a restrictor plate track. Uh, The opposite of that is watching him go backwards. And and the feeling of of that in the first, what was it, Mike, first 30 laps or so, first 25 laps or so, watching him continue to go backwards, that wasn't a good feeling. No, no, not in Talladega again. I mean, Talladega has a whole new level of... uh of anxiety when when you see that kind of thing but i also didn't think it was going to be a big problem because i've also seen him get up through the pack as quickly and that that was early enough in the race um that you know you knew he had time you just hope you don't get collected right um and you know uh, to be honest with you um hearing dale jr's audio though sort of puts me in a good place only because my biggest concern uh, following yesterday's race was that knowing him i thought he might be a little embarrassed now i don't think Mm. he should be and I wish he wouldn't be, but I know him, and I know that he would probably be a little bit embarrassed. And, you know, he's calling it the worst race that he's had. I think Kansas can't come soon enough right. because he needs to get back in that race car and get back on the track because uh, knowing him, he might let this fester all week, and he just needs to get back in a race car and turn some laps. That's the best thing that could happen for us following Talladega. I don't think there's any question about that. And you can – we always talk about the evolution of Dale Jr. as a person. I know Marty talked about it at, at, in great detail recently on this podcast. Marty Smith did. And uh, Marty called me 
uh, after the podcast, and he's he's a terrific friend, you know, thinking about my family and everything. And he said, man, I've gone through the nine phases of Dale Earnhardt Jr., and I'm telling you, Taylor Zarzer, this is the best one. And, uh, and, he, he, and, you can, and that is an example. His audio he just gave us is an example of what Marty was talking about. Uh, ownership, uh, maturity level, uh, leadership. Adam Jordan, shut your mouth. This is not your fault. This is yeah. my fault. Yeah. You know, I mean that kind of stuff. And so you do. You appreciate the person he is and and the way he's he's handling these things. Let, let me just say this, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Mike. I know people are frustrated uh, through ten races of the season, even though there's been a couple of top twos, and you know they're ninth in points, I believe, if you count. Um, I guess you'd put Hamlin in front of him because he's got to win. So he's eighth in points, but ninth, I guess, if you started the seating today or whatever. Uh, and it's been, you know, an, an up and down type of year. No victories yet. Not a whole lot of laps led. So some frustration there. And look, if people want to say Harvick, Kyle Busch, Carl Edwards, Jimmy Johnson, Kislowski, as you said last week, uh, are championship level drivers and junior and the 88 team is not. You know what? I, I mean, listen, if you want to feel that way right now, I think that's more than fair. Let me tell you what I don't think is fair basing those opinions off of anything that happened at Talladega Super Speedway. I, I just don't think that that's any kind of barometer as to where Keselowski is, where Danica Patrick is, where Ty Dillon is, or where David Gilliland is, or where Dale Earnhardt Jr. is. It's just so different than almost every single other race of the season. And so if you're frustrated by the entire season so far, or you're wanting more, or you want to see this team compete at a higher level, fine. I'm going to have a hard time arguing with you. But if you base those feelings off of anything that happened in Talladega, I just don't think that's fair. No. Uh, no, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to process all this right now in my head. So let me do this uh, uh, in real time here uh, for all these listeners. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree with you. I would also say that um, – our ability to have good practices, our ability to qualify well, while these are completely different tracks, that is something that we've all you know, identified as an area for improvement. Um, how were we in practice this week, Davis? Did you, do you remember? I mean, I, I think we were pretty good, actually. So, I, like, I look at the – if, if i got to take the bad with the bad, i take the good with the good. If we made gains in practice, I, I can attribute that to, a, uh, to the same type of work that's being done in the shop that then transfers to the racetrack. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, while you can't compare as far as the actual race goes, you can compare on the type of preparation. And if I see improvements in the preparation – Therefore, I can get confident about the, the tracks yeah. coming up. That's uh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I, I'm just talking about race results. Race Tal results Talladega is so d different than everything else. Race results you can't, but you, you can say that uh, when we win, it sure does give you confidence for the next uh, restrictor plate race. And, and we certainly carry that confidence around all year. Uh, when we know, hey, it's all right, guys. Talladega's coming up, you know, or Daytona. And I think we'll still go into the next Daytona and Talladega feeling that way, even with Amelia gone. To be honest with you, I can't wait to see what our next car looks like yeah, and how it performs. I, I think that I will take Dale Earnhardt Jr. in a dump truck at Talladega before I take anybody else or Daytona. That's just me. What but about I, I'm not alone. What about in a 1999 uh, Trailblazer with an Alabama sticker on the back? I take Dale Jr. Okay. In fact, I, I think Dale Jr. is probably even more likely to win. 
if it's got an Alabama sticker on the back. What about a Jeep <laughs> Cherokee with a Gamecock sticker? Top five. <laughs> okay. I'm not calling the win on that one. <laughs> Man, shots fired at first name Davis's rig. It's okay. It's yeah. not great. <laughs> He, he definitely won't make the SEC championship, but he'll contend. What about a beat-up white Chevy Tahoe? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. Okay, you probably don't want to take that Talladega or, or to Daytona. All right. But well, I still – listen, that guy that guy gets around that track so well. Which, he dude, does. Which blows your mind. That had to be some kind of turbulent coming from the 14 car for the best in the business to lose it by himself. I, and, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying a lot of times we take for granted the greatness that Dale Jr. brings to Talladega that yeah. these things, that there's uh, quite a bit of uh, turbulent going on when these cars move around, and it is a struggle. And then the everybody off, the has everybody is busted their butt. The best ever is busted his butt. Everybody out there has busted their butt. Jimmy Johnson, of course, busted his butt at Charlotte a few years ago after he'd won – you know, four consecutive championships in a row. So, I mean, it, it, five, I guess. Uh, it happens to everybody. Yeah. And so, I listen, it happened to Dale at, at Kansas a couple of years ago, and he rallied in that same race to finish second. So, uh, I, th- I think that, it, it, you know, you're, you're right. It, is, it can be embarrassing or frustrating at times, but you can tell he's got the right mindset. I wouldn't want him to have any other mindset than the one he just uh, described this past weekend. Wait, can I tell you what my biggest concern after all this was? My biggest concern after all these wrecks was not Amelia, and it wasn't even our finish and our points. It was absolutely had everything to do with Dale himself and his susceptibility to concussions. Because I don't know how many mm. more of these hard hits he can, That's he can a good take. Point. The second wreck, the cool. first wreck wasn't bad. The second wreck where Carl Edwards came up in him was a hard hit. And I was legitimately concerned for Dale Jr. at that point. I'm like, you know, I, I heard him in his interview, and he seemed fine. But I had to hear it from himself. That's from, a good point. From the man himself. And when I did hear that he was okay, um, then I was okay. But that was Danica? my first concern. How about Danica? I mean, man, there were some hard hits in that race yeah. on Sunday. It was just It's crazy. So we move on. We go to Kansas. Uh, first, we have to hear some radio chatter replay presented by Nationwide Junior Nation members. Did you know that you can get a special discount when you switch to Nationwide? Call one 346 9130 or visit nationwide.com. That's 855 346 9130. And again, that's nationwide.com forward slash junior nation for more information. Nationwide is on your side. Hey, Dale Jr., this is Jeff up in the Fox Sports booth. You got me? Yes, sir. Well, we already have seen how aggressive you've been on these super speedways, but you've got rain in the area. I mean, what is the mindset? How do you balance out patience versus aggressiveness if this thing gets shortened up by rain? Well, the best place to be uh, at the end of the race uh, is leading. It's so hard to get past the leader. Uh, it's the easiest spot to defend on the racetrack. So my mindset over the last two years is just to try to lead every single lap. and. If the rain comes out, it comes out. Uh, hopefully we got some guys in the pits that are watching the radar very closely and can feed that information to me when it's coming down to the minute that it's going to fall so we can start understanding what we need to do if we're not leading the race. We need to get more aggressive to try to take that spot if the rain's coming. And we also saw you know, in Daytona, uh, you guys struggled a little bit with the handling, didn't have the speed that we've seen you have in the past. 
I'm pretty confident you're going to have it today, but how do you feel about what your chances are and how you work with your teammates today? Yeah, there shouldn't be any surprises until they go with the handling like there were at Daytona. That certainly threw a curveball to a lot of guys in February, but this track's a little bit different. Their handling's not as much of a factor. Uh, we're going to try to work with our teammates more than we did in February because that was the recipe that worked for the Gibbs guys that kept them up front all day so they could battle it out at the finish. Well, you're lined up right here on the start of this thing uh, with those teammates, so good luck. Have a great, safe race. Thank you. you near that spotter for the 24. Uh, I can be. We're all going to try to work together today. It might be important. Y'all be loose. Just tell them don't drag the brake. Don't miss. Head four. Next four or five cars are clear with you. I'll go tell them. Side out back. Hold the brake, buddy. Hold the brake. Just stay there as low as you can there, buddy. You okay? Yeah. Just lost it. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The steering wheel came off. I grabbed the damn shaft and drove it. <laughs> yeah, I saw it there. It looked, didn't look where it needed to be, so I guess that's why I was checking it. I probably should have had you pull over. Yeah, I thought it was on. There's another one. You can steer it in the grass with your, with your hand. You see me grab the shaft and damn steer it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I was watching. Damn. I didn't think I could do it. I wish I could have seen your face. Total calm. Totally, totally calm, I promise. My hand is raw as mother <laughs> oh, the first two corners. It's fine. Do I, do I got any of those fans to use? No, you do not. They're gone. Front and rear? Nope, they're gone too. Now, guys, the 19 blew a right front tire and took us, took us out. Sorry, Greg, I don't even know he's the sound. I don't know what we could do right there. Nothing, nothing you could do there, TJ. He was just on the bottom, and we're just cruising around the top there. He probably took the 11 out, too. All right, we're done for sure. Yeah, we're done for sure. Radio Chatter Replay, presented by Nationwide. You hear it every single week. First Name Davis puts it together. Now let's speed dial. Speed dial. Let's speed dial with Ryan McGee, columnist, reporter, TV personality, Johnny Benson lookalike. He does it all for ESPN. McGee, are you there? I'm there, man. I'm uh, I'm shuttling to the Shuttlesworth Airport as we speak, and uh, I'm still uh, I'm still trying to. I don't I don't have a plane. I couldn't come home last night, but the uh, or Sunday night. But it's uh, uh, yeah. I'm still I'm still kind of sifting through what I saw. Just as the crews are sifting through what's left of their cars. Yeah, and that's what I want to ask you about because I, you know I'm reading through the columns and editorials from from the media yesterday following Talladega, and it seems like the overwhelming consensus on these restrictor plate tracks following the race was that something's got to give. And you know, you yourself had a had a column about it, uh, but you know, it sparked a rather spirited outcry from NASCAR fans, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But why you were interesting to me and why I wanted to have you on speed dial is because, like, I don't think there's anyone on the current NASCAR beat who can match your appreciation for, like, pure, fast automobiles, right? And, the, and also yeah. the ballsy humans that drive them. You, of all people, have that old-school mentality. You appreciate and you know about it better than anybody else. But you also are one of the biggest advocates for safety, in NASCAR. So you wrote about this internal struggle yesterday for ESPN.com, and, and you summed it up, I thought, 
McGee, very brilliantly, you said, did I enjoy it all? Yes. Do I feel guilty about that? Yes. So, Ryan, now that you've had a chance to sleep on it, what are your thoughts on what you witnessed at Talladega yesterday? Well, I, I appreciate what you just said, and I appreciate you bringing up the column. My, my, feeling, my feelings are the same as what I wrote in the column, which is, you know, I, I was sitting there in the media center. I mean, the race hadn't been over half hour and, and we were waiting on Brad Kozlowski to come in and I was sitting there and I, I was really having a hard time kind of reconciling how I felt because what I wrote is exactly how I felt then and how I feel now. I, everybody needs to understand something. I love restricted play race. I've been a defender of it forever. You know, I've always said there's only four races that you have to circle on the calendar, that you can't get up the grass, you can't take a nap. You can't call grandma. You're watching every single lap of every race. All due respect to the other 30-whatever races, those are the four you have to watch from beginning to end. That being said, yesterday was as far as I can ever remember it being pushed. Like, it was exciting. It was awesome. It was, I mean, they were, they were masterful for the first three quarters of the race. And they were justifying in the last quarter of the race. And it was everything you could possibly want as a race fan. But there just was, it just was so much, man. I just could never remember it being that much. And and, and I was like, I'm all alone feeling that way. And then I talked to guys like Kenny Bruce, who's been covering the sport a lot longer than me. And then I wrote about it in the piece, talking to Richard Childress in the garage. Everybody agreed. It's the worst they'd ever seen. Childress says the worst he's seen since like 1973. So, that's the part that I wrestle with, which is I loved it, but should I should I be okay with loving it? Right. I listen. I too experienced that struggle. I mean, look, I love Talladega. I was born forty-five minutes from that speedway. It is my home. But like, I also I know everybody find myself... I ran into said to tell you hello. <laughs> well, they're cousins, so it's you know it, I missed the family reunion this past weekend, I guess, right? Because we have it twice a year <laughs> at the at the yeah. track. Uh, but like you know, I find myself wanting to get out of there when my driver's health is at risk, you yeah. know. And Dale Jr. you know suffered a bang there a couple years ago that actually concussed him, and he missed races. And so, and I've said it many times before: you love the place when you win, you hate it when you don't. And when we don't win, it's usually because we wrecked. We don't usually lose the race because we sucked there. There's an incident or something that happens that takes Dale Jr. out of the race. And so, therefore, I have that wide pendulum of emotions when it comes to Talladega. I could appreciate that, that perspective that you brought. Well, it's just, it's, um, again, it was, it was so awesome. But, but there was, it, it, what was weird, though, was I, I was trying to add it up. I don't know. It might have been like my 25th race there. And, and, but there was a point where it's like, more than that, but anyhow, but this was this was one of those times where we just reached that point where it was like, man, you could feel everybody like, let's just wrap this thing up because as great as it was, by the time we hit the second big one, and we had two cars on the roof, and you know, Danica clearly was freaked out and had the wind knocked out of her. It just it started to take a turn, and I just was glad it ended when it ended. I was afraid we would end up going into overtime and rain and we'd sit there all night. I'm glad that didn't happen. But yeah, but just there was something that happened that all of a sudden we were like, oh, man, it's time to pack it up and leave. And, you know, Dale Jr. said it. Chris Boucher said it. Everybody said it. It's, it's time to get out of here. And I think that, uh, honestly, a lot of people felt that way by the time we got to the end. But, but that being said, it was awesome. I want everybody to understand it. I, I loved it. But that's the part I'm – should I have loved it? That's the part I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with. All right.
right, so let me read you some various fan reactions to what I saw in conversations with media members who opined about it after the race, okay? I'm going to read you some various ones here. You've lost all perspective. They're race car drivers, not ballerinas. Here's another one. It's almost as if you media types have PTSD. Here's another one. If I wanted a controlled parade, I'd go to the fair. Here's another one. You guys need to slow down. You're trying to get rid of the last exciting races we got, which I don't know if the irony was intended in that, and you need to slow down, yeah. but that's fantastic. Yeah. So, McGee, do, you pe do people who take this position have a point, or do they fall into the category, which you wrote about 12 days ago, where you ought to appreciate more how, how great this sport is and quit looking for things to complain about? Yeah, well, it's, and, that's, and that's part of what I'm talking about, about me struggling with it, because – I don't disagree with what you're saying. You know, it, it, what, what people kept sending me was they kept sending me the Dale Earnhardt Sr. quote. You know, the tie the kerosene rags yeah. around your ankles and keep the hands from eating up your candy butt and all that. Well, yeah. Well, guess what? Where I was sitting in the media center in Talladega, there was a framed photograph of Dale Sr. with that quote printed out beautifully, you know, in the frame with it. So I get it. I was there the day he said it. Um, but, but, but at the same time, I just, uh, I, I, I thought yesterday was great. We can't push it any further. That, that was kind of my point, which is, I felt like, yeah, like yesterday was about as far as we could possibly push it. But everyone needs to understand, I never wrote about tearing down the banking. I never wrote about all I, I just said, you know, I think this is as far as we can possibly push it safety wise without someone being hurt. But listen, there's also a part of it too, is we're very fortunate, man. No one has died. In a national, you know, NASCAR event since February 18, 2001, and you know, and, and as a result, I think that we kind of take for granted people that who weren't around in the in the five six years before that, which was awful, right? To the point that I almost quit covering the sport. With IndyCar, NASCAR, Formula One, drag racing, whatever, everywhere I went, somebody was getting killed, and so that's why I was not being overly dramatic when I said. If some of the crashes yesterday had happened, you know, a decade and a half ago, they might have killed somebody. I know it for a fact. I was there. You know, I had to cover all that stuff. So that that's the part that you wrestle with, which is how how far can you possibly push it? And I felt like yesterday was awesome, but that's about as far as we can possibly push it without it becoming awful. That, that that's uh, very well stated. You know, the thing I notice is that. We, we agree with all those things that those fans say, but I, I also know that the struggle starts when you have an emotion, an, a relationship with anybody. Just pick one. If you have at least one relationship with somebody that's on that racetrack, you struggle. You struggle yeah. with, with Talladega and Daytona. You just do. I mean, and, and I was talking to a driver's wife um, uh, who's a friend of mine last night, and I don't think people quite understand the emotions that they feel and they signed up for it. They get paid. They live a great lifestyle. Everybody yeah. recognizes that. I'm only saying that you have to recognize that there is an emotional struggle when you, four times a year at those places. And, and, and that doesn't say that it's not dangerous uh, all the other races. It is. Those four races have a special place in the, in the danger heart, um, and, and it's an emotional wreck for those people that have any type of relationship, whether you cover them, whether you live with them, whatever it is. Uh, you know, it's just there. It's real. Here's what I want to ask you another thing about. A mutual friend of ours, Mike McCarthy, uh, I noticed he said something to Nate Ryan 
and and his his quote was, "I'm just not sure how any of this is different than the last 25 years when I've seen people opine after Talladega race." So, McGee, why is this year different? Like, in in the respect of why are we talking about it again? Do we actually think that this, for the first time, might actually change? Like, like something might be done? No, it ain't gonna change. It's not gonna change. Um, but but I think that yesterday's race. And Mike's been around a long time too, you know. But yesterday's race, just it just had been a while since we left the racetrack or, or, or sat there with 15 laps to go and had that feeling in the pit of your stomach. And you know that that feeling in the pit of your stomach, like man, I hope this is as bad as it gets because I, it can't because it can't get any worse. And, and listen, I, again, I, 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 you know, the, the point of the column was I struggle with that, man. It, it wasn't that was that was not me saying, well. Through Talladega, tear it down, and I, and I never said take the restriction plates off or make them bigger or whatever. That's not it. That's why that's why this was different than your typical Talladega's awful. This just it just felt a little different, but that didn't mean the race wasn't great because the race was unbelievable. Yeah. Um. But but it's just but, but yeah. I mean, all due respect to Mike, I think that um it it, it wasn't different than maybe some conversations that we had a while ago. But it had been a while since we had this conversation. It had been a while since, you know, again, 20-plus years of going down there. It had been a while since I had that feeling watching that race um, of, man, I just hope we all can get out of here and get on our airplanes and, uh, and you know, all, all that's all this hurt is race cars. And, and thankfully, that's what happened. Yeah, but, you know, there is something different. There is a driver's council now. There's the owners, you know, whatever you call them, the owner's group. Um, so there are things that are different in this t- in this year's discussion of it. Could that matter? Yeah, I mean everybody has a voice now, and, and maybe that and maybe that's the difference. Maybe the difference is is that you know uh, when I first started covering the sport in what 1995, that we uh, that we would have this conversation in the car headed to the airport like I am right now, but now we have it uh, on social media, and and now we have. Uh, uh, you know, now we have it. Uh, everybody's talking out loud, and the drivers are talking uh, via Twitter on their way to the um, uh, on their way to their plane, or when they're sitting on their plane, and for rain delay. And you know, you got writers who are arguing with uh, with with readers, and that just wasn't happening back in the day. You know, so there's just there's, the conversation is public, and the conversation takes place out loud. And I say this all the time. The good news is. Uh, Via the internet, everybody gets a voice. The bad news is, via the internet, everybody gets a voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, let me go back to your piece that you wrote 12 days ago. Uh, the title of it, Whining NASCAR Fans May Need a Reality Check. And I thought it was a fantastic piece, and it should be noted to anybody that listens to this and hasn't read the piece yet. You have the voice of the fans. You have the perspective of a fan. You are a NASCAR fan in this piece. You are not chastising anybody. It was fantastic. Yeah. And and I found that most of the fan response that I noticed was overwhelmingly supportive of your piece. But I was talking to a fellow last week who was writing a paper for his college class, and he asked me, Ryan, he says, does NASCAR stand alone at the top in terms of the sense of entitlement of its of its fans, and my answer to him was, well, I don't know. I'm not in other sports. But, McGee, you do cover multiple sports. What is your answer to that question? Yeah, they're, they they feel entitled, and quite honestly, uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't because no fan base um, has affected policy as much as they have. You know, 
NFL fans don't like so and so. They might not like the new Halo rule on you know kick return. NFL's not going to change because of that. They might if the marketing research tells them to. Right. But but NASCAR policy has been swayed by social media. NASCAR, to its credit, as a sport, I'm talking about drivers. I'm talking about everybody. Uh, they got on board with Twitter way early on in the deal. You know, I, I, Twitter's been around 10 years, and, and I mean, I, but within the first two years, you know, people in the NASCAR community were all over that thing, and, and Facebook too. And so, you know, that's good. But again, going back to everybody has a voice. NASCAR has, you know, listen, the chase exists because the fans and people forget this, complain so loud about blowout championships. And some of that was because a lot of those because of Dale Earnhardt Sr. And nobody had a problem then. But when other guys started winning the championships by big, huge numbers, and I'm a Rockingham guy. We go to Rockingham for the second or third to last race of the year. The race wouldn't mean anything because the championship you know, was already decided. So that's where the chase came from. That's where you know a lot of this stuff comes from. It's from them listening to, to uh, fans. So I get it. I get where the entitlement comes from because, quite honestly, it's worked in the past. The problem is, is that as social media grows and, 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 you know, everybody starts to feel more and more entitled and they get louder and louder and louder. And at some point, and I think this is, I think this is a, a larger conversation about just the discourse in America in general, but it just gets so loud that nothing stands out except for the complaining. And the group thinks things starts. And everybody starts complaining about the same thing. And instead of talking about, you know, Carl Edwards, and his amazing bump and run to to win at Richmond and the thrilling finish, it was became this conversation about lug nuts, and it became a conversation about drivers uh, not doing the right thing or doing the right thing. I don't know. It just, it just the complaining takes over uh, all the time. And this, of course, is coming from a guy who wrote a column complaining about Talladega after the race, <laughs> which is beautiful. You know what? I'll take right. that a step further. You know, when I when he asked me that question uh, on, you know. Does NASCAR stand alone in terms of the sense of entitlement of its fans? I, I, I did say, I don't know because I'm not in other sports, but I also said this. Like, as a PR guy and marketer in this sport, we pride ourselves on the transparency that we provide our fans. And we invite fans, like, as an asset. Like, fans are our assets, and we use them as marketing tools. We invite them into our living rooms. So if we do that... We can't honestly get mad when they share their opinions about things if they don't mess with something we're, that, that we do. I mean, we got to take the good with the good and the bad with the bad. And so we are, we are partly to, to blame for that. Or, do you disagree? No, but the problem is, is that, and this is what I wrote in the piece, is that I got, you, you express your opinion all day long, whether it's a good opinion, bad opinion, whatever. But the problem is when, the only opinion that's ever expressed is bitching about stuff. Because then you become the boy that cries wolf, right? You become Chicken Little. You, you become, you know, because then what happens is even the people who listened to you before, they quit listening to you. And my, my fear is is that, you know, it's like your old cranky uncle, that, that you know, drunk uncle on Saturday Night Live, right? You know, yeah. why don't you just enjoy Thanksgiving dinner and quit complaining about all this other stuff that you can't change because, you know, while you're doing all this complaining, you're missing out on what has been one of the most competitive seasons we've ever had. We just wrote about this in ESPN Magazine, about how, um, you know, it was, what, over the first five races, it was easily, easily the closest that we, uh, 
the closest finishes, average finish we ever had over the first five races. No one was talking about that. What were they talking about? They were talking about and listen, and you you know me, man. I'm no NASCAR apologist. Uh, you know, I can play the voicemails for you that I get from Daytona on a pretty regular basis. But you know, but but I do want everybody to just take a minute and enjoy themselves because uh, you know I worry sometimes that when we're at the beach it's too hot, we're in the mountains it's too cold, and uh, and you're missing vacation because you're too busy complaining about little stuff. Amen to that, brother. I hear you. Listen, uh, last question. I'm gonna let you go. When a steering wheel comes off and the driver's immediate response is to grab the steering shaft with his right hand and steer yeah. If even for a few seconds under caution, McGee, where does this rank in the category of all-time NASCAR badasses? This sounds like it almost would be a countdown on the Marty and McGee show because you guys yeah. do it well. Like, what, what, what is your thoughts to that when you saw it happen? And where does it rank? Hey, all I know is that the media center is – which is well-documented, can be a jaded place. And it was gasps, and what was that? And did you see that? And that was awesome. And all you need to know about it is Jeff Gordon drops. Jeff Gordon yelled, holy crap, on national television. That's right. That's all you need to know. That's so right. I, I can tell you this. That, so it happened, and, now, and then the race restarts, and everything's going crazy. And uh, the racing's great, and no one in the media center is watching. We're all watching the replay. We're all the uh, uh, Fox Sports have posted a little like Vine clip, and we're all just watching the replay over and over and over again. So yeah, no, it's, it's um, if Dale Jr. ever wanted his, uh, you know, climb out the window, wiping the mud off the windshield moment you know, that his dad had so many of. Well, if he didn't have one already, uh, the getting around Talladega, no matter how fast or slow you're going, and driving it with. Uh, with your hand on the steering column, that's pretty good. I mean, seriously, I mean, you bring it up. I mean, was it safe? Absolutely not. But neither is climbing out a window while your car is moving and wiping off your windshield. So yeah. we, no, no, no. we agree. Totally, it's not, un, totally unsafe and uh, honestly a little unacceptable. And, uh, right. and there will be repercussions, uh, just like Dale Senior got yelled at for climbing out of his car that day. But, uh, but you know, I guarantee you they will fix whatever the, the problem with the steering wheels is because that's a little scary and it's, it's not the first time it's happened here recently. But in the meantime, I say we all just uh, kick back and take a moment and uh, and appreciate the bad arsonness of what we just saw. I mean, seriously, I mean, the pass, you think about like the pass in the grass. It is in NASCAR lore, the pass in the grass, and it's not because of how unsafe it was, it's because of how badass it was, right? Yeah. Yeah, yesterday they're all yelling at Michael, Michael Walter, right, for, for getting down on the apron and trying to come back. But the moment when I finally, as a Richard Petty fan, just threw my hands up and said, Dale Senior's ridiculous, was when he did the same thing in, a, in a, uh, you know, in the Rock race at Daytona. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. So, Dale Jr. fans, if you wanted your moment, uh, I think you just had it. Speed Dial. All right, it is time now for Reaction Theater. First Name Davis has received a tremendous amount of grief on social media, primarily from Sloppy Yellow, who I believe is tweeting in his, his sleep these days about clearing out Reaction Theater. First Name Davis, you have done that, correct? I did. <laughs> All right, I made sure of it this week. <laughs> okay, very good. All right, well, let's hear a fresh batch. Man, I've seen Dale and Hart one time. Um, was seatbelt, hop out the car, under caution, clean his windshield. Now I just see Dale Earnhardt Jr. steering the car by the steering column with his hand. 
Man, if these aren't real men, I don't know what are. Yeah, yeah, brother. That's how you do it. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking after the race, your driver might have finished the race, but ours can drive it by the steering column. And he's ripped skin off of his hand, but Dale, yeah. Yeah, Dale, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the redneck in you has to appreciate that. Yeah. Never Aunt Kathy Watkins is outside of the studio, outside of the exalted studio. Did that remind you of anybody, Aunt Kathy? <laughs> yeah. Somebody uh, else Aunt in her Kathy, family? Aunt yeah. Kathy just said, my dad and my brother. <laughs> and she's right. Let's go to the next one. I don't know what the hell the Twitter meltdown was over Team 88 after Amelia crashed. I mean, good grief. We're still in the chase. Uh, we've, we've finished 40th twice. I mean, we finished 40th Talladega. We finished 36th or worse at uh, Daytona. And we're still, in the, we're still in the chase. My God. This ain't, you know, Lance McGrew years, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know, last year, we couldn't keep a, a tire on a damn car. We don't have those problems. We, we're doing just fine. Shoot, just... Stay off the ledge, folks. Uh, a win's coming. I think a couple wins are coming. We'll be in good shape. And hey, um, Darzer Davis, um, I don't, I didn't see first name do his push-ups last week. Y'all afraid he can't give us ten? Let's go to Kansas, kick some ass. Hell yeah. No, Hell no, we've yeah. got plans for Davis yeah, pu- push-ups yeah, we, here. We got it, some plans. We we launched a Facebook uh, page this past week. I think we're going to do it on Facebook Live, maybe even today. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Okay. How Worked many out doing? over the weekend? How many are you doing? Yeah. Oh, you worked, you worked out over the weekend, he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did some okay. curls. You, you know I'm a huge fan of Sloppy Yellow, right? I mean, I, I love the guy. I mean, everybody listening to this podcast knows that. But I, I have, I think we need to do some investigative reporting, and I need to put Mike Davis okay. on this assignment. I need you to call some of Sloppy Yellow's coworkers and ask about his productivity because this man has tweeted probably 2,000 times in the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's unbelievable, Mike. How does he have time to do anything else in the world? <laughs> He's making up for lost time, I guess. I, I guess so. You know, he, he, there was a spell where he got off Twitter because I think, I think he was running. I think he was running for mayor of his town, and he thought that Twitter might actually do him bad. Um, he clearly he didn't win the vote of the people, but uh, he's back and he's making up for lost time, I guess. I, I laughed so hard at that guy. I, I mean, I just going through his timeline. And it is a stream of conscious and nothing. The, 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 the last tweet has nothing to do with the next one, but it is funny stuff. All right, who's next? God damn Mike Davis, you suck. I tweeted you telling you to tell them not to run Amelia this week, and you let them run it anyway. I know Mike it's not Davis. really your fault, but God And Greg, I was thinking that you could rebuild that car. It sucked at Daytona. You should have just brought him a new one. God damn no. Mike Davis, man. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I mean, Jerk. <laughs> do you think, Taylor, it would have mattered if I'd have told, hey, Greg, here, just a thought. Don't bring that car. You got a lot of pull, man. Do I? <laughs> yeah. Well, well I don't have are you would have heard a, hello, hello, right, <laughs> dial right, tone, hello. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who's next? Well, you guys challenged me to call Reaction Theater while I'm in church. Well, listen to this. I'm in church right now, and I look at my dang phone, and we're six laps down? I don't know what the <laughs> heck happened, but if we ever name a dang race car again, I'm going to personally kick Mike Davis in the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get that tune. We're still, I believe, yeah, we're still in Easter season, so I'm trying to think, I'm trying to hear what that was. But, uh, man, that was, that's pretty good. In the back of the church right there, fire it up at you, Mike. I guess it's a little too late to say we were kidding about calling from church. 
We didn't really intend for you to do that, man. That's the <laughs> but he did. All right. Hey. Okay, I'm up in the ante. If you can call from the pulpit next week. <laughs> no, from the baptistry. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Well, right now the church service is going on, and I'm sitting here in the bathroom because I don't want everybody to look like, think I'm a weirdo. Man, I am pissed. I checked my phone. We're on 20-something last down. I don't know what the heck happened, but I'm sure 22 car of the 48 turned us into the wall. I am tired of this melee hype. This is what caused this accident. And if we ever name a car again, I am personally going to kick Mike Davis in the nuts. Or first name Davis. Hashtag Dale, yeah. Hashtag Mike Davis sucks. <laughs> yeah. I like in the bathroom? Yeah, yeah he flushed the, the toilet for good measure yeah. just so his wife would think he actually went to the bathroom while he's calling you, mad at you, uh, in the middle of the church service. Have we ever had a call from the bathroom? I don't, <laughs> think, uh, I don't know, but uh, his marriage is in real jeopardy, I can tell you that. If five years ago you called me and said, hey, man, Dale and I were talking. We want you to start this podcast with us, and one day there's going to be a guy that calls from the bathroom during the church service. I don't know what I would have thought. I'd have said, Dale, yeah. <laughs> Dale, yeah. <laughs> Who's next? Friends, loved ones, we are gathered here today to celebrate the life <laughs> Of a beautiful chassis, Amelia. <laughs> Amelia won the hearts of many with a memorable 2015 season. In the five races she competed in, she won an amazing three times. She made a return in 2016 looking for even more success and found it early with the Daytona dual win. Amelia was all about speed and <laughs> kicking. And although her final two appearances were grim, we shall never forget the joy she brought all of us in Junior Nation. May she rest in peace in the Dirty Mo Acres graveyard. Goodbye, Amelia. We love you. And there's the pastor. Pour the one out. <laughs> Pour one out. Yep. Unbelievable. Should, should we? Yeah, that's a good point. Should we pour one out, uh, you know, in honor of Amelia? Instead of having a beer toast, I think that you do this week on maybe on JRM 360 or on some sort of platform, maybe uh, doing a some sort of live platform. You should go outside, bring yeah. a bunch of people with you, and pour one out for Amelia. Well, we do have a beer toast this week. We have that's true. We, we have got two. another one. That's that's uh, a good point. Yeah, we, do, yeah. we have two this week. That's right. Elliot Sadler with the win on Saturday. That was cool. Who's next? Seriously, Carl Edwards, you dip. You don't know how to drive worth a at restrictor play tracks. That's why you suck, Carl Edwards. Mm. Carl, hashtag Carl Edwards sucks. Carl Edwards is an idiot. Carl Edwards needs to get punched in the face. Mm. Well, here's why I don't think we can be mad at Carl Edwards in this case. Because did you see what we did to Casey Kane in the first wreck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Did, did, did anybody notice that one? Yeah, that's a fair point. And he took a little shot. Hey, and Carl Edwards, I think, had a did he not, did he not have a tire go down? Mm-hmm. Okay, Probably we front. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Can I admit something to both of you? Yeah. Um, I watched a grand total of maybe 60 seconds of that race after Dale Jr.'s bad mis- ma- bad mishap. About maybe 60 seconds of the race after that. How about you? Uh, well, don't tell me that the 60 seconds you watched happened to be when Dale wrecked again <laughs> because then there, we got problems with you, Taylor. Yeah. No, I, I was aware that that, that happened. Uh, but I will freely admit to everyone that my participation in the race, and I'm sure I speak for most Junior Nation fans, my participation in the race uh, was it minimal. It yeah. waned yeah. after uh, mine didn't. 
I, I, if it was any other race than Talladega, I would have, but I just knew Talladega was going to be insane. Who's next? Like the rest of Junior Nation, I'm as frustrated as a blind man in a Hooters convention. <laughs> we really got to get better with these adjustments. Come on. Hell yeah. <laughs> Why that's am I laughing at that? I can't be laughing that's, at that's that. A, that's a tough deal right there. I mean, that's a tough deal. I can't be laughing at that. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Especially Dollar Draft Beer Wednesday night or something. I mean, golly. Mm, that's a tough deal. Bless his heart. That's frustration. <laughs> Who's next? Well... I think it's time, boys. Go out there and dirty mow acres and build up something nice. You know, put something cool around it and stick a million in that race car graveyard junior got out there. And, and, you know, you can go see it on Memorial Day, whatever you want to do. But uh, I think it's just time to put old me out to pasture. Ain't working out too good. But we'll get him to Kansas next weekend. There you Dale, yeah. Well, that's best attitude to have. You get them in Kansas. Memorial Day or something. You want to know what it reminded me of when Carl wrecked Dale? It, it basically just my father-in-law when he puts down one of his cows when uh, he put when he puts it out of its misery. It's kind of what it felt like for, for me. Wow, that's gonna be a visual I have the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And if I ever meet your father-in-law, I'm nope. gonna be a little nervous, especially don't, if I'm hey, not feeling well. Yeah, don't even have the sniffles around that guy, or you're <laughs> yeah. done. Wait a minute, do. You, are you not feeling so? I'm feeling great. Pow! <laughs> Put him down. Golly. Oh, you can take the... Yeah, anyway. Who's next? Hello. This is Art calling from Norway. Mm. We don't do stock car racing here in Norway, but I think it's a hell of a lot easier to steer a car if you attach the steering wheel to the car. I think that is the key to win a race this year. And I'm very sorry about Emilia, but I think that was the last time we've seen her. Basically, rest in peace. The eulogies continue for Amelia. Yeah. Nor- yes. All the way from Norway. That's pretty cool. Norway. That is really cool. We got people uh, calling from church, calling from Norway. Yeah. Reaction yeah. theaters all over the place. The, the Americans are in church or in the bathroom when they're calling. Norway, yes. I, I don't know what it was Norwegians. like. I looked it up. He was, it was probably like 9.30 his time when he called at 3.30. So I don't know what he's doing. 9.30 a.m. or p.m.? P.m. Oh, it's not too late. It's not yeah, unusual. It's, yeah, no, Great investigative reporting there yeah. by intern Davis. <laughs> yep. The first name Davis. Sorry. Freudian sleep slipped yeah. to the past with <laughs> intern Davis. Who's who's next? Okay. That's three wrecks in two races for Amelia. Retire Amelia. She's done. Hashtag seven bears. Hashtag retire Amelia. Hell yeah. Well, hey. I, don't, I don't think you need to worry about that. Tell ya. Well, I was sitting on the couch. I was all jacked. I was pumped. I love Talladega. My favorite two weekends of the year. And guess what? The old lady decides that she wants to do her spring cleaning today. And she comes in the living room when I was watching the race. And she's like, honey, will you take the trash to the dumpster for me, please? And I look at her, and I'm like, hell no. I was like, it's Talladega. You come back at me. In about three hours, and we'll talk, because until the rain falls or the checker flag flies, I'm staying right here. And then what happens? Dale Jr. loses it on the backstretch. I don't know what the hell happened. I forgot how the draft worked or something. And, well, long story short, I'm taking the damn trash to the dumpster. So thanks a lot, Jr. You know, I think there's a 95% chance he didn't use those exact words when she came in and asked him to take the trash to the dumpster. 
I, I just have a hard time believing he looked her in the eyes and said, hell no, I'll do it in a few hours once this race is over with. I don't know. I just think about my own situation, Mike. I don't know about you, but if I said that, that would be incredibly damaging to my own life. Well, all, I've been, all I'll say to this caller is that I've said it all my life. Chores will get you in trouble every time. You, you, you Just don't do them. Wow. I, I, I'm totally wow. kidding. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I can say that because I know my wife is not listening to this. First name, Davis, do you have any way of contacting Sarah? Because uh, I'd love for you to send her, her what it was just said on this yeah, Mike has. Uh, I'll kill you. Mike has accidentally sent her an email a few times instead of me. So then forwarded <laughs> me the email he was supposed to send to me. Oh, what I say? <laughs> stuff about Hold on, work. I, I need to know. <laughs> this is good. Little stuff about work, but you actually did it to Sarah Davis instead of Davis Williams. Oh, good. So, is you there anything that, that I oh, might regret of sending you? Yes, keep it going. First name, no. you got to keep this going. See. The whole world wants to get back at Mike Davis, and this might be the chance. <laughs> Him oh. accidentally sending an email like to her. I'm, I'm literally nervous over <laughs> here. Yes. Yes. I don't think Sarah, I don't oh. think Sarah Davis puts up with shenanigans. Oh, I made my That's accurate. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she is, she is an extremely impressive person. I, it's, it really makes no sense in the world what she's doing with Mike, but I love you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I feel it. I feel it. Who's, who's next? My God, I just called an hour and one damn minutes ago, and now I got a call back. This time is to remind Junior that last year Carl wrecked us and helped us out of the chase. Now that some can't drive again and done wrecked our already wrecked car, so payback's coming. We got we gotta we gotta take this dude out. He's killing us. Thanks, Carl. We Junior were, Nation wants to put Carl in the fence. We were 40th. <laughs> like, no, I, I only say that to say this. The last time Carl wrecked us, I mean, it took us out of the chase. This time we were 40th. Right. I still, I, that's, I think that's irrelevant in this big debate that Junior Nation is having, Mike. Put him in the fence no, is what they're saying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who's next? Now, why in the f***ing hell would you send a damaged Amelia back out on the racetrack for the third time. He wrecked it in Daytona the second time he put it out there. He wrecked it. He wrecked it today. And now you're putting it out there for the third time. What is your problem? Leave it in the garage. Build a new car. Bring it to Daytona in July. And whoop ass. Oh, I, I guess the answer, the obvious answer for why you go back out there is to gain more points if you can. And we were at the time racing Casey Kane for that Right, we we were trying to finish 39th and not 40th, and you also knew that the, the you know the field that Talladega is capable of wrecking and DNFing at any point. So, got to get a win, man. Then you don't have to worry about this anymore. Exactly. Obviously, 16 more races before the uh, chase begins, and 16 more opportunities. And certainly, with the way the last few years have gone, what seven wins, Mike, in the last two seasons? Certainly, like uh, the 88's chances. All right, any more, Davis? One more. Yeah, I wasn't going to call in today. I figured there'd be too many callers calling about Amelia wrecking and this and that and should have retired it after Daytona and all those things. But I just saw Dale Jr. drive a car without a steering wheel. How badass is that? Sucks for him to this day, but damn, that was badass. Dale, yeah. Dale, yeah. 
That's crazy. It was crazy watching that. <laughs> you know, when that happened, a longtime PR guru, Tom Roberts, tweeted me and said that the same thing happened to Bobby Allison in 1985. And uh, I replied to TR. I said, well, the silver lining here is that Dale Jr. will find it very cool that he shares an unusual experience with Bobby Allison. There's no doubt he will. Uh, he'll absolutely appreciate that. Hope his hand is all right. I mean, that's that, that was crazy to watch. Yeah. Crazy. All right, uh, be happy with the new all-new Spy Dale Jr. Paint Scheme sunglasses. It's called the Livery Series. They're available in the popular Dirty Mode General, Dega, McCoy, and Admiral Frames. Get yours today at spyoptic.com. Remember, Reaction Theaters open 24-7, 365, if first name Davis clears it out, at 855-740-1902. Leave us your voicemail, and we will play the best here on the Dale Jr. Download. It's time now for White Flag. White flag right there, white flag. All right, MD, you going to let first name read this? Uh, you know what, I'm going to give him, I want him to get ready for his push-up. So I'm going to go ahead and read white flag, and I want him to get ready for his push-up. Oh, you're going to ruin so many people's days now. So as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, Dirty Mo Radio is now on Facebook. Facebook is this brand new thing that you'll hear about one day. Dirty Mo Radio, because nev- we're never late to a party, was Please quick to jump on it. So go to Dirty Mo Radio's Facebook page and like it. So that's another thing you need to do. This new Facebook thing has a like button. Like Dirty Mo Radio. That way you can just stay on top of all of our podcasts and antics. Davis is going to be doing push-ups on our Facebook page here soon. Yeah. I know um, you're being somewhat sarcastic, but what you just said, uh, you educated me completely on because I have no knowledge whatsoever about Facebook. Not any. Okay. Well, well, and that it, shouldn't surprise you at all. It does, actually. I, I'm a little surprised by that. What is wrong? What's what's the what's the deal with you? I just I'm not a you know you know how hard it is for me to actually send out a tweet. You know I just I'm not really good on all the different platforms. But for you, I will take a look at it. I will go to my wife's Facebook page. Uh, yeah, if I can get Betsy's like, uh, that's really all I need. Okay, very good. Speaking of expanding into all corners of the earth, Thirty Mo Radio is also now on SoundCloud and Pocket Cast. However, it is that you access this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review. First name will appreciate it. I am currently in the process of building out Dirty Mo Radio schedule for Junior Motorsports Fan Day, which is on Friday, May 27th. You'll have all kinds of awesome activities going on around the shop, plus the Exalto studio here will be busy all day. We have the Dale Junior Download, Junior Motorsports Up Front, Earnhardt Outdoors, Door Bumper Clear will be taping. All this on May 27th, so come check us out. It's always fun to see the fans here. Uh, let me take a moment to talk about merchandise, Taylor. We get a lot of questions all the time uh, on the best place to buy Dale Jr. merch. The answer is shopjuniornation.com online. Or if you're in person, you come to here to the uh, Junior Nation retail store. Uh, that obviously is a, is a good one, too. Uh, let me say this website again, though, shopjuniornation.com. If you go there right now, you will see some fantastic new merchandise on Dale Jr.'s Xfinity Series win at Richmond last week, including an autographed Richmond win Hellman's 124 scale die cast. There's Very only cool. a few of them, so get them now. They are signed by Dell. Uh, also, here in the Junior Nation retail store, and I'm guessing on the shopjuniornation.com uh, d- website, are new Dirty Mo Radio hats. And they are awesome, as you would expect. So, uh, fans, come get one. Taylor, I got one for you, buddy. Don't Thank worry you, about buddy. that. Thank you, buddy. I need a new one because um, I want to let you know that I, you know, I run a lot, like maybe four miles uh, a day, and I have run in that hat. My Dirty Mo Radio hat that you gave me, it says Dale Yeah on the back. Uh, I have run in that hat every single time I've gone for a run in the last six months, All which right. is probably, I mean, 
in the hundreds. So nobody wants to be near me when I wear that hat. So I probably need to uh, get a new one. Well, th- this hat is very versatile. It's for the runners and then the people like me who do not run. There you go. Davis, <laughs> do you run? Yeah. yeah. Well, he oh, runs yeah. like crazy. He does? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dang. And he doesn't yeah. eat. What is his deal? He runs and doesn't eat. I mean. I eat. No, you don't. You eat goldfish, man. I mean, that does not count. My flag sponsored by goldfish. <laughs> yeah, goldfish crackers. All right. In case you missed it, speaking of eating, Davis, here, here's a lunch for you. Yeah, what's up? Uh, the total money raised during the two-week Dale Jr. Sandwich fundraising drive was $159,935.33. That number of hunger-free weekends that it provides is, are you ready for this, Taylor? I'm ready. 60775 mm. hunger-free weekends. I mean, are you kidding me? That is fantastic. Many of you who listen to Dirty Mo' Radio contributed, and we absolutely love you for it. Thank you so much. Again, nearly $160,000 raised, and that translates to 60,775 hunger-free weekends for kids. Um, our friends at Exalta Racing experienced a big jump in followers over the weekend. They are now at 18,000 followers and change. If they get to 20,000 by May 13th, which is just in 12 days, then and Dale wins the Exalta 400 of Pocono, one lucky fan will win $88,000. Boys, that'll buy mama a new pair of shoes. I'm not lying. It'll buy mama a new pair of shoes. And Taylor, you're, you're, you need to give your mother something nice for Mother's Day. Yes, I do. I hope uh, you're planning on this. She does not need any shoes, though. I hope you're not planning on the $88,000 to, to get your mother a Mother's Day present. Like, you should do that regardless if you win the money. I, well, I was actually okay. planning All on right. that. I'm just making sure, yeah. Rand. Looking out okay. for you. All right. NASCAR Sprint Cup Series will be racing on Saturday at Kansas Speedway. <laughs> if Ju- first name Davis really, really was good at his job, you would know why we are laughing because this is take 97 <laughs> of Mike Davis <laughs> trying to tell you when the Kansas race is and what else is happening this weekend in Kansas. I don't want to embarrass Mike. You think I'd work <laughs> at a place that might have this information readily available, right? Yeah. All right. So, Dale Jr., is he at least running the Exalta paint scheme? Did I get that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right on All that. All right. Yeah, thanks. You're right on that. Well, that's really the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. Go Bowling 400, Kansas Speedway, Kansas City, Kansas. We had a great discussion, by the way, with my uh, youngest daughter, Grace. Dad, how come Kansas City's not in Kansas? Well, a little p- tiny, tiny it little is. chunk yeah. of it yeah. is in Kansas, and it's actually where Dale Jr., and all the other cup guys will be Saturday night. That's so right. Seven forty five. And so there you go. Seven forty five. Saturday night. Just like I told you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had all kinds of other things going on in Kansas. Yeah. They were probably they were probably uh shaking their head. Man, we They're got like, a what going wait, on? We bought tickets and we get, we're going to the wrong race. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, here we go. Got, all right. That's it for White Flag. All right, of course you got Dover uh in two weeks. You got the all star race coming up. Can't believe it. I'm, uh, less than three weeks away, 600 at the end of the month. So it should be fun, especially if you're in the great state of North Carolina. Hope you'll come by and see us in the shop. Like uh, Mike said, a lot of great Mother's Day items in there. So you should shop for those. Hey, we're going to end this podcast today on a uh, on a personal note. Uh, he certainly didn't ask me to do this, but uh, you got. I'm just going to tell you, you got to go to Davis Williams's Twitter page and uh, read a little bit about uh, his life. D-W-J-R-M is his Twitter handle. Very, very proud of you, my friend. Don't cut and this out either, Davis. Oh, Don't oh, edit yeah. this out because I'm oh. with Taylor on this. Oh, yeah. promise. Um, Thank you. Powerful stuff. Fired me up this weekend, and uh, we're very, very proud to have him as part of this podcast. For Dale Earnhardt Jr., for Ryan McGee, 
For Mike Davis, for First Name Davis, I'm Taylor Zarzer. You've been listening to the Dale Jr. Download, presented by Spy. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Hey, Dirty Mo Radio listeners, make sure you follow at Exalta Racing on Twitter because if they reach 20,000 followers before May 13th, they'll partner with Pocono Raceway and give away $88,000 to one lucky winner if Dale Jr. wins the Exalta We Paint Winners 400. Go follow them at Exalta Racing. You'll be glad you did.